You're listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast, episode number 14. Welcome to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast. I'm Jennifer Schreckengost. I consider myself a healthy-ish foodie, a wanderlust junkie, a coffee connoisseur, and an e-learning expert, and your host for the next hour or so. So pull up a seat, grab a cup of coffee, and come listen to conversations with real people who are all learning how to eat well, live well, and travel often. Welcome back. Today in episode 14, we are going to be talking with Beth Reesner from The Rungry Health Coach. So over the last six years, Beth has transformed her life going from what she calls uh, herself a lifetime couch potato to a marathoner and Ironman. And she's here to tell you that it did not come easy. During this time, she completely overhauled her diet from processed foods to real foods. As she said, if it came from a box, bag, or can, odds are she definitely ate it. Um, And learning how to be a runner also came with its own struggles on top of struggling with disordered eating habits most of her life. Um, But she was motivated to become a coach and because she didn't want people to suffer through weight loss the way that she did, which was a pretty isolating experience. And Beth helps her clients wean off the diet mentality and the diet lifestyle and working be talking more about the undiet approach to a healthy lifestyle. So let's jump right into the episode. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, today, we're talking with Beth Reesner from the Rungry Health Coach. And I met Beth uh, through a business uh, group that we're both in on Facebook. And when I got to know her and read about her story, I was instantly drawn to the concept of how she coins herself, how she went from a lifetime couch potato to a marathoner and Ironman. I was like, wow, I need that transformation in my life. But even more so, she talks about how she overhauled her diet from basically eating everything from a box, bag, or can processed with basically and overhauled her nutrition into real food. So again, that's something that we all struggle with, I think, or many of us struggle with. So I definitely wanted to bring Beth on the podcast. So with that being said, Beth, um, tell me about your backstory and just like how the Rungry Health Coach kind of came to be and maybe, you know, like your whole, your story of overhauling your lifestyle from how you described it. Yeah, no. So, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, a really big conversation, but I guess you could start it with, um, you know, I was pretty much inactive my entire life. I did not play sports as a child. I was not athletic whatsoever. You know, my parents will tell you, we are not athletic people. <laughs> I was a band kid through and through. And I'll tell you this right now. I did marching band, even in college. Like I pose no athletic ability whatsoever. The height of my athletic career was in the eighth grade where I did track and swim team and I didn't like it because I didn't have the confidence to do it. Uh But in college, um, I was really aware of like the freshman 15 and I knew, you know, I was going to gain weight. I anticipated it. And every time that like scale went over to a number that I was uncomfortable with, you know, I, I dieted, I did what I knew best. I, I, um, you know, over, um, what did I do? Excuse me. I exercised a little bit at the um, campus rec center and I, you know, reduced my calories a bit. I remember like strictly making a lot of sandwiches and eating salads in the um, freshman cafeteria. And then when the weight got off, I went right back into my old habits. You know, nothing was sustainable. And I grew up in a family again that, you know, we didn't have athletic ability. All my, my parents were always on diets pretty much growing up. They had really poor health. 
And, you know, I just modeled what I saw in them. There was a point in college where I wanted to lose weight again. So I reached a slim fast and I drank slim fast for breakfast. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be perfectly honest. And, um, that did wonders for my digestive tract. And I had <laughs> diarrhea, you know, pretty much every day while I was on this. But I'm like, oh, no, this is normal. This is no big deal. But that, you know, that's what things were like for me. You know, okay. if I wanted to lose weight, I would just hop on a diet, you know, not overhaul my habits or anything like that. And, you know, I'd lose the weight and the weight would creep back on. It was just cyclical. So anyway... I was, I got engaged and right before we got married, I realized that like something needed to change. I was marrying into a really athletic family. Uh My, you know, all of my sister-in-laws were runners. They were marathoners. You know, the one sister-in-law marathon, um, married a a Boston marathoner. So I had a whole bunch of pressure. I'm like, all right, something's got to give. So I taught myself how to run. Um, it was, it was pretty gross at times. Like, you know, <laughs> yourself how to run is not the most beautiful process, but I figured it out. And then I also wanted to, you know, um, eat better. So at the time, my definition of eating better was, you know, diet foods and things labeled as fat free. So right. you know, if it came from a box or something, I definitely ate it growing up. I would, I'm, I ate little Debbie's all the time. Like I am the self-proclaimed queen of little Debbie's. <laughs> So if it had fat-free snack cake on it, you better believe it was in my pantry because it was fat-free. So obviously that was healthy. So the weight came off, but it took a really long time. It took me about two years to lose 25 pounds, Mm -hmm. which is a really long weight loss. But again, I was not making really good decisions. Sure, I was running but I was not balanced. I wasn't eating well. I was eating the wrong kinds of foods. And this is also when I started um, getting into into some disordered eating habits. And I was just treating my body really disrespectfully. Um, I was calorie counting, and that would kind of spiral me out of control. Um, I just things weren't going very well. And I also became like a food pusher. Um, I was pushing food onto other people. I was obsessing over calories, over fats. I just had some really bad thoughts when it came to food. I just developed a really poor relationship. So we were living in Pittsburgh at the time. My um, now husband, we moved to San Diego in California. And um, I started doing some more research and things. And this was in about 2012 or 13. And that's when like the real food movement, I feel, really started getting some traction. Yeah. So, yeah. So I started doing a lot of research and I started like reading magazines and really getting into cooking and learning about the benefits of, you know, eating more fruits and vegetables, eating more food directly from the source. And I started becoming like obsessed with it. I started making everything from scratch and I started running more, a lot more. And, you know, it took a lot of trial and error. This entire process was a lot of trial and error. Believe me, I made all of the mistakes. (laughs) But eventually, I got to a place where my nutrition was in a good spot. I was fueling primarily on fruits and vegetables. I transitioned from a meat and potatoes kid to a vegetarian. I learned what worked good for me. I helped my husband lose about 80 pounds. Wow. I turned him into a runner as well. Um, so it just it took a really long process. And eventually, you know, I did a lot of half marathons. I then started dabbling in triathlons. Um, I did, um, I've run a marathon and I've also, um, trained for two half Ironmans. Wow. And, you know, from a self-proclaimed nerdy band kid, <laughs> off a 
of honey buns and donut sticks, which for the record, <laughs> oatmeal cookies. I'm sorry. Donut sticks were my favorite in yeah. high school. Like literally yeah. in high school, I would, you know, I would eat donut sticks for lunch out of the cafeteria and still, you know, maintain a nice slender frame. <laughs> so if my mother is listening to this and she'll absolutely attest to this, um, if I wanted any of the good snacks, I'd have to hide them from my brother. So there was like a little part in our pantry, like way at the top section where I hid all of like the honey buns, the cosmic brownies, the fruit snacks that I didn't want my brother to have. We would only do it in like smaller amounts so he would be none the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like chef- You kind of just described my, ch- my teenagers in, in this house. My do- poor daughter is the youngest and has four older brothers and she's constantly, if she wants to eat anything in the house, she has to hide it. <laughs> yeah, but like Chef Boyardee, I mean, that was my dinner growing up. Like to me, that was healthy. Like Salisbury, like frozen Salisbury steak and mashed potatoes. Like this is what I grew up on. Yep. So yep. it took a lot of trial and error, a lot of experimentation just to teach myself how to do this like food actually isn't supposed to come from a package believe it or not yeah <laughs> right i can remember as a kid like it was a treat to get the little um kid cuisine frozen dinner like oh my gosh that was the coolest and i'm totally like aging myself being the kid of the 80s like the kid cuisine and the tv tray like that was like like the thing man it was like special night <laughs> Yeah. God, now I, oh, those are good memories. Now I'm just right? <laughs> oh, and, and, and I find it interesting that you say you transformed yourself into a runner because I have a running joke, no pun intended, that like I absolutely can never be a runner. I'm not built to be a runner. My husband is a runner and he like to me has that like slender runner frame. Like he can go like years without running and then like knock out three miles, like no big deal. And where I'm like five minutes in, I'm like, what is happening? My legs are burning. I'm done. <laughs> so so that, that's false. I think everybody can be a runner, just like how anybody can be an athlete. If you have a body, you're an athlete. If you can, you know, walk anywhere. If you can shuffle your feet and go, you're a runner. I firmly believe that anybody can do it. It's just a matter of like how you do it and like uh-huh. what you do. I mean, now we're getting on a whole other tangent, but like yes. the issue with like with running is like a lot of newbie runner, runners and myself in um, too, you get in this mindset that obviously the only way to start is to just go balls to the wall as fast as you can. And if it's not burning, you're obviously doing it wrong. But it's just like when you're making other kinds of changes, you're actually supposed to take in small chunks and that's a good thing. So mm-hmm. you actually want like smaller, like periodization, like periods of like running and walking kind of thing. But this uh-huh. is a whole other tangent, but this yes. is like why I'm so passionate about this. Cause yes, you can do it. Anyone can do it. <laughs> okay. It's just small changes kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of why, and again, we'll get back to the nutrition aspect, but that's kind of why when I did, um, I have tried like the couch to 5K, which basically the concept of like starting out slow, doing a little running, doing a little walking. And and that was much better than like go bust out, you know, a mile and, and hope you survive when you are not a runner at all. Or, or at least you're not, your body's not accustomed to running, I should say, but... Anyway, yes. I digress. We'll come back. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on like how to become a runner from a couch potato. I would love that. 
right. <laughs> so going back to um, when we talk about diets and nutrition and your experience with diet, like obviously my upbringing um, was very similar. Um, I think there was a, I mean, there's still kind of a diet mentality now for sure. There's a lot of diets out there, but I can remember growing up, like my parents doing the cabbage soup diet and, you know, like, like witnessing these, these fad diets where, you know, you drop weight and then you, and then, um, and then for me myself, like I've done the calorie counting, I've done the slim fast, I've done the, you know, I've done all of the, the, the quick fixes, um, obviously where I would lose the weight, the weight would come back on some, most of the time more so. Um, but why do you think it is that as a society, we're drawn to diets? That's a really great question. So I think part of it is that sense of control. We want to feel in control of our situations. And I think part of that also stems from the fact that society wants us to, you know, be a certain size and behave a certain way way and you know we're bombarded with what we're supposed to do and supposed to look like so when it comes to the, you know wanting that control when we feel out of control when we're not exercising enough or when we're not you know eating the right things or that's that uh, number on the scale is just higher than what we want it to be we revert back to all of that you know propaganda for lack of a better word that tells us you know what we're supposed to do I think that's where diets come in and you know, a lot of organizations, I hate to use like society, but they feed off of our fears, I guess yeah. you could say. And they feed off of that like vulnerability. Cause I mean, let's face it, when we're uncomfortable in our own skin, we're incredibly vulnerable and mm -hmm. we're open to suggestion. So when we see that, hey, if you follow this plan, you're going to lose 20 pounds, hell yeah, you want to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, I mean, there's all those caveats with that. Because like you said, I mean, you've tried the quick fixes. I've tried the quick fixes. But there is no quick fix. And right. where did that get us? It got us to losing the weight, gaining it back again, being unhappy, then losing the it's, it's just cyclical. But it's that sense of control that we want. We want to feel like we're, you know, empowering. Because, you know, at that moment, feels things kind of feel out of control. So I think that's part of the reason why we're so drawn to diets. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, are comfortable taking on something when they when see they the, in, the end date where it's, you know, like, okay, I can lose this amount of weight in this amount of time. I can handle that where, you know, like changing and overhaul you all in your lifestyle. Like that's an ongoing, you know, event. Like that's, that's just not like a, like a start and an end date. It's I'm continually to, you know, make pr improvement and see changes and so I think um, the, the uncertainty of not having a set number by set number of days can kind of like throw people off and they go with like what they feel, you know, is the comfortable avenue, which is, okay, I'm going to do this because I know I'm going to get this if I do that. So, yeah, I think also, which is part of the problem is we're so focused on the number on that scale. I, I don't know how or where or when or why, but we've become just just really focused on that number. We yeah. think everything is about this number where that number means nothing. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, take into account how awesome someone is, you know, how much self-confidence, all the things that they can do. That number means absolutely nothing. And yet when we see this plan that offers us, you know, 20 pounds of weight loss, we want that because we think that number means everything. We think that number is the key to our happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was um, the other day. I was you know in the grocery store and I saw some women's magazine and it was talking about like losing like seven pounds in three days. And I'm like, that's not 
healthy. That's completely unhealthy, right? Should, I mean, seven pounds in a month is like, even that, it might be too much. I uh-huh. mean, quite honestly, like it's one to two pounds a week. Yep. Maybe. But seven pounds in three days, it's like, oh gosh. But I could see why somebody who's very unhappy, who's feeling vulnerable, is drawn to that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you see a beautiful model smiling, because obviously, you know, their life is, you know, picture perfect and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and I do think you're right. Like, um, there's so much of that just shoved down our throats in society of, of the number and the weight. Um, I do think there are some improvements. Definitely. I see it, you know, in the body positivity movement and I see a lot of, a lot of even, um, people in the fitness, uh, arena that maybe show like, like two different pictures side to side where like they're, you know, they're different after doing the certain programs and eating a certain way. Um, but yet their weight like is the same, you know, like the, to, to prove a point that like a number on a scale doesn't, you know, like this, this picture say on the right, look, they look a lot fitter and more toned, but weight wise, they're exactly the same. And so like focusing on, you know, how you feel in your body and, and exercising and tr- like you said, treating your body well and eating and fueling it with the right foods is much more important than that number on the scale for sure. Yes. But you also bring up a really interesting point. Um, so yes, you see those two pictures and you know, the, um, the model says, or I, I say model, but whoever yeah, yeah. It says they're the same weight. Um, but they use a certain program. And I think that program, although it helps them get healthier, I still think it, feeds off of our vulnerability mm-hmm. also feeding off of I, I'm in, becoming a believer that pretty much everyone in America has some kind of eating disorder somebody has a disorder eating habit somewhere in some mm-hmm. capacity they really do and I think this program absolutely feeds off of it when you start telling people how to eat a certain way and do certain things and you know today's a low carb day tomorrow you can have a little oh, right carb. yeah yeah so I think you're absolutely feeding off of that. So although that program, you know, although those pictures do promote body positivity and do promote that, yes, that number doesn't matter. I think the, the backstory of it, it does promote disordered eating habits and a weird relationship with food because it does make you um, rely on that program. Does that make sense? Yes. No, it's completely, totally. Yes. Which brings me to my next, you know, point that I want to talk about with you is the story behind, you have a program called the Undiet Boot Camp, which again, I love that name because that sounds like a boot camp that I would absolutely love to know more about. Um, but basically I think, you know, in, you tell me about the story behind it because essentially you're helping your clients ditch the diet mentality and mentality while they're improving their health. So, so how did you come up with that? Yeah. So I was working with clients. Um, well, firstly, I'm a certified health coach. Um, I'm also a uh, certified personal trainer as well as a certified run coach. And I was working with my clients and I saw a lot of myself in that. And, you know, they had a lot of good questions, but I, you know, we had a nice six month program, but I realized that there was a need. There was a need for a more comprehensive program where, you know, the topics were already splayed out and we'd hit all of like the really big things mm-hmm. like grocery shopping, emotional eating, hydration, um, meal planning, all these really big ticket topics that might've gotten talked about, you know, occasionally with my um, clients, but more so I needed to hit them like head on and really full capacity. So again, looking back at my own struggles, I thought to myself, all right, where did I struggle? Where could I use a little extra assistance? Where did I need some extra hand holding? 
Because quite frankly, I mean, you're in this industry as well. There's a lot of information out there. Right? Oh my gosh, so much of, overwhelming. Right. Yeah, and, it, and it's conflicting. So coming from yes. somebody who's already, you know, overwhelmed with the idea of maybe wanting to lose weight, maybe just wanting to feel better, just coming in with all this information, that's a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So the On Diet Bootcamp, you know, it's a 12-week program, um, and every week it's a new topic at hand, and it's all designed to getting people to not only break that dieting mentality, but teaching them sustainable habits for life. Right. So, you know, again, it's like, what happens when we get rid of the diet? Well, you're on your own, and but you can do this. So it's all about like those small changes that we've been talking about. So what can we do to, you know, set you up for success so that, you know, if you were to gain weight again, you already know what to do. You don't need to go on a diet. It's just about creating those new habits and new routines. Mm -hmm. so again, it's things like, you know, how to grocery shop smartly, how to read nutrition labels, how to end emotional eating, which is a huge issue for a lot of people, myself included, what to do in those situations, how to handle parties. Um, we also cover like some basic, um, Nutrition information, like what are macronutrients, the protein, right, yeah. and fats. Because a lot of people, you know, remember like I'm dating myself with this, like the old school pyramid where, you know, grains were at the bottom. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people like these days, you know, sure they know what like a carbohydrate is, but they don't maybe understand like how carbohydrates affect the body and yes. what quantities and how not all fats or carbs for that matter, or even proteins are created equal. Uh -huh. So even talk a lot about that. It's just, it's a really, it's like a comprehensive boot camp, essentially. I mean, it's uh -huh. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I so did an, um, I did an episode earlier this year about understanding macros. Um, it was called like macros, micros, oh my, because it is so confusing and understanding like complex carbs versus, um, simple carbs and those sorts of things. So you're right. And I like that you mentioned reading nutrition labels because that's so such an important thing. Like we're, we think we're eating something healthy, even, you know, like let's say the, you know, the label on the outside says like organic or, um, you know, something that might allude to it being healthy. But then when you really look at the ingredients, like there's some, you know, a lot of stuff in it that, you know, is just going to cause inflammation in our body or do, you know, not do any good. So, um, I think understanding and reading nutrition labels is, is, uh, definitely a good skill for someone to have. It is. It, it really is. I mean, because um, something like sugar, for example, sneaks up in everything, and it has at least like 60 different names. Yes, yes. So it's incredibly confusing just figuring out like what sugar, like where it is and what it is and in what form that it is. I mean, that's just one example. And like you said, things like labeling like non-GMO, organic, or even the label like natural. Yes. <laughs> You know, natural is a great example. There's no like regulations on that. So people are just slapping natural onto pretty much anything. You say a natural fruit by the foot, somebody thinks that's going to be healthier. Right? I, was just, that. I was just getting ready to bring that up. I saw the other day it said it was like gluten free on like a package of like Swedish fish or something, like some candy. And I'm like, like, first of all, gluten would never even, you know what I mean? Like they, like we we put in we're putting gluten free on a food that a never would have gluten and is b totally unhealthy and full of sugar. But someone's gonna see that and be like, oh, it's it's good for me now. Yeah. Well, firstly, one, you're opening up like the floodgates of like the gluten free movement, and that's a whole nother issue. Two, um, little known fact: some gummy candies actually do have wheat in them. So um, that label, although it seems like really silly, is actually needed. Um, like brands like Twizzlers do have wheat in them. 
Uh-huh. Interesting. But yeah. So, sorry, another tangent. But yes, I mean, it goes back to the fact we're putting labels on everything, and there's just no regulation behind it, and it gets uh-huh. really confusing. Yes, it does. It does. So when you talked about, when you first, going back to when you talked about how, yeah, how like you, you started exercising, um, but you really hadn't changed your diet, which I think brings up a good concept of why, I mean, I've heard it before out there. So I know, you know, our listeners may have heard this phrase of, of the fact that we can't out exercise a bad diet and that it's important to have both. Like we can't just, you know, hit the gym or do whatever and then eat poorly, but the same way as, um, you know, we can't, um, you know, eat great, but then like we also you know, not move our bodies, but like we need a, a combination of both. Yeah. So there's a couple like, there's a couple like, like subtopics off of that. So one thing is if you go into the gym and let's say your goal is to lose weight, you're not going to do yourself any benefit by then eating, you know, going to Chipotle or wherever and ordering like a giant meal and out doing all of, you know, out doing all of that exercise, you essentially getting rid of your calorie deficit. Um, uh-huh. But also there's a matter of, let's say for like running, for example, because that's something that I did, you need to be able to support that long-term exercise. And again, it goes back to that right combination of like protein, carbs, and fats mm-hmm. to help keep you energized, to help, keeping you, uh, help carry you through all of your um, long runs kind of thing. So okay. I mean, um, from like a runner perspective, there's like something called the bonk, where after a certain like amount of mileage, I mean, it could be really any number of miles for um, depending on what you're training for. But all of a sudden you just feel really like sluggish and low energy and you feel like death. And that's because your body doesn't have the right energy. And then it's a matter of, you know, what do you eat before that run or after that run? Because after that run also determines, you know, how you're going to recover, what, what your body is going to do. And I remember from my own experiences when I was training for half marathons, that was really much like during like the throes of my um, disordered eating days. And I remember being afraid of like the post-workout meal and I wouldn't eat anything because I was afraid of undoing that calorie deficit. But it was to the point where I was having like so much digestive stress. I was causing myself constipation and diarrhea. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't eating in the right times. I wasn't eating enough. So it, and it was this vicious cycle. So then come my next long run, like, I'd be a couple miles into it and I'd feel terrible. And even though I had some fuel with me, I wouldn't even want to eat that fuel because again, I didn't want to outdo the the calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. Like it was just a terrible line of thinking, but it boils down to like what I was eating, how I was treating my body. And no matter all those miles I was running, I still couldn't outrun my bad dietary habits. And if I wanted to get better at running, something had to give. Does that make sense? No, totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you first. Oh, no. So I, I guess what I would say was, um, how do you, how would one, how would one figure out how the best way to balance that? Like to know that, you know, like, you know, to know like what the right balance is uh, between, you know, you know, working out and eating right. Everybody is going to be different because I think it boils down to goals. What are you training for? Are you somebody who just wants to do, you know, a quick 30 minute, you know, um, high intensity workout at the gym? Or do you want to train for your first half marathon? I think goals is a really big thing because then your dietary needs are absolutely going to change. And if you're working out for 30 minutes, you're going to need um, some less like fuel than somebody who's running for like two hours. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're also lifting, that's going to be a lot different than 
somebody who's running because those are, I mean, essentially like two different systems and working your body in two very different ways. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, when it comes down to that, it's like, think about goals, but also start just really listening to your body on a very intuitive level and seeing what you want. And your body's a really smart computer. It knows what it wants and it does things for a reason, like cravings and such. So when it comes to like balancing food and exercise, listen to your body and see what it wants. It will tell you, and it will also tell you when you're hungry or not. And you know, if you're not hungry directly after a workout, then don't eat something. I'm never going to tell a client or anybody to eat when they're not hungry kind of thing. Um, but if you are hungry, honor that craving. Don't do, you know, learn from my mistake and don't starve yourself when you are actually are hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But always keep, you know, your goals in mind and also just listen to like your hunger cues. Does that answer your question? Yes. No, totally. Totally. Yes. Yes. So that would bring me to my next point or my, my next question for you would be, so if I was a person that was completely starting from scratch, like if I was, um, you know, I really don't exercise much. I'm really struggling with, you know, trying to figure out like what to eat. And because I don't know, I just turn to like the quickest and easiest. Like what's the best way if you're completely starting from scratch to ease your way into change? Or do you, or do you think it's better to just like completely overhaul and go like, you know, all in? Okay. So I'm the kind of person I, my motto is move fast and break things. I do when I ask questions later. Um, it gets me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I would not recommend that for most people. And that's not something I do with my clients. A lot, a lot of people are, you know, I just are better at, you know, dipping their toe into the water first and making small changes. I'm the kind of crazy that when it's 60 degrees outside, I will, you know, cannonball right into that pool. That's just what I do. Um, but no, it's all about like the small changes. So I think, um, you know, set yourself like small weekly goals. It's not about like pounds or anything like that, but let's say this week, can you eat a vegetable at lunch and dinner this week? Yeah, mm -hmm. you can. Can you replace one Coca-Cola with water? Yeah, you can. Can you go for a 10 minute walk after dinner? Yeah. Can't, all right, you've done that first week. All right, now let's up it for the second week. Can you go for a 15-minute walk? Can you try packing your lunch four days a week? It's those little kinds of changes, just breaking it down into small digestible chunks. Mm -hmm. And then also slowly start focusing on like your diet itself. Something I didn't mention in our earlier conversation when we were talking about you know, the balance of exercise and food, it really does matter what you're eating as well. Um, yes, you know, you could find your sweet spot, you know, eating like Chef Boyardee and like, you know, um, and Wonder Bread and all those other things, but it's never going to help you feel, feel your best for performance. So you always want to like look back at the quality of your diet. It's like quality over quantity kind mm -hmm. of thing. So just like going, um, for that newbie, you know, start, start, open up your pantry, open up your fridge and see what you have and see if, you know, this week challenge yourself. Can you buy two pieces of produce that you haven't? tried before, something new to cook with. Those little kinds of challenges, um, trying to integrate more fruits and vegetables into your mm -hmm. diet. So can you um, replace your ranch dressing with avocado? Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So start making those like, small little changes, looking really at your uh, food, what you're eating, where it's coming from, and then just trying to break it down. 
Yes. I, and that's what I would absolutely recommend. I think uh, when I first started train, you know, trying to transition mm -hmm. my diet, I thought I needed to like completely clean out my pantry, like wiped it all out and just like go and buy every um, food item that I had ever seen advertised as healthy or good for me. And uh, not only did that, like my, my wallet, not like that, but like that was overwhelming to like just completely overhaul everything at one time. Like it was just like, well, now what I do with all this stuff. And then I had stuff I never, you know, I ended up not using. So I definitely think like small changes um, that, you know, you can do in chunks. And so you, you don't feel, and you don't feel like a total withdrawal because if you're going from like that, you know, where you're not eating, you know, anything real uh, to eating everything real, like that can be kind of a shock. Um, and so I, 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 I would think for me personally, easing into it in small changes, like you said, and challenging myself, like I did that tonight, actually, um, we had to do a quick dinner, but I was like, where can I throw in a, a, a fresh vegetable? Cause I need to have a fresh vegetable at dinner. And so like we, I, you know, we add that in. And so I think just challenging yourself to make those changes, like you mentioned, is a definite easy way to ease in, especially if you're starting completely from scratch. Yeah. And it's just, it's. Uh, um, what was I going to say? I, I apologize. No, but, no, you're fine. You know, just breaking it down. Um, I think if anything, you know, don't pay attention to all these fancy things like hemp seeds or chia seeds or all yes. these ingredients. You know, that's a whole other tangent. But focus on fruits and vegetables. Focus on healthy fats and lean proteins. Everything mm. else will figure its way out. Um, I think right now a lot of people are trying to push like organic foods and certain kinds of like superfoods and things. But for somebody just starting out, that can be really overwhelming. Yeah. You know, I don't care if your spinach is, you know, non-organic. Um, I understand that organic spinach is better, but not everybody has access to it. Not mm -hmm. everybody, you know, can afford that. That's fine. Any vegetable is better than no vegetable. Right. But focus on what you can do. And I think, you know, the, the good building blocks are always good fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, and lean protein. Uh -huh. Everything else then just kind of figures its way out. Yes. And then as you get more advanced and more comfortable, that's when you then can start playing with, you know, whole grains and, you know, making your own thing, like crackers and whatever it is at home. Just mm -hmm. all those baby steps. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a good segue into sometimes um, when we choose to, you know, make a make change in our diet. Like I know, like for me, for my personal experience, like sometimes if you're the only one in the household that's kind of on board to, to make those changes, um, you, it can feel very isolating. Um, sometimes the environment can even be unsupportive. Um, for me, my challenge was, you know, you know, transitioning my teenage kids over, which we, I, we, we kind of found a good balance where like I wasn't sacrificing, you know, my choices for, you know, pleasing them, but also like trying to like transition them at the same time. Um, so anyway, so what's the, what are some strategies that you would share with the listeners that are maybe kind of in that isolating situation? And like, how would you suggest, A, they, they deal with that? Because I know sometimes the, the, the initial response is, okay, I'm just not going to do it because, you know, it's, it's isolating over here. And then also, like, what are some strategies or suggestions for, like, maybe finding a support network if there is not one at home or in their, you know, close surroundings? Yeah. So I was really, really fortunate that when I wanted to lose weight and change my diet and start running, um, my spouse said, yeah, I'll do it too. Like he was really supportive and he wanted to do it too. When I told him that I wanted to try vegetarianism for 30 days and I said, you don't have to do this. He said, no, I'll try this too. 
when I pretty much want to do any weird experiment, <laughs> he he's pretty willing to, you know, try it along. And I'm really fortunate with that. And I uh-huh. understand that not everybody has that. But I do believe that when we're doing something for the right reasons and we start being really successful and we start and um, it becomes like a form of leadership. Mm-hmm. So people start seeing how happy you are. They might see that maybe you are losing weight or maybe they just see that your skin is glowing or they see all the beautiful things that you're eating. They see how your energy levels are skyrocketing. They're going to want some of that. They're going to mm-hmm. want to drink, you know, whatever coconut water is you're drinking. <laughs> so it's definitely that it's that power of leadership. Um, and you're, you're becoming a leader. But again, I understand it can be really hard when you have, you know, like, you know, pizza rolls or, you know, whatever it is, you know, or the Twinkies or any kind of snack cake or canned food still in the house because you, somebody else wants it and mm-hmm. that's not something that you're eating. That's a really hard temptation. So I think in that regard, always remember why you're doing this. Always remember your goals. I always go back to those with my clients. Why are you doing this? And always keep that in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, if, you know, if you really do want that snacking, if you really do want that can of, you know, pasta or whatever it is, then have a little bit and see if it, you know, helps that craving. But remember, go back to your goals and keep those in mind. And eventually, um, maybe your spouse or your family will want to be a part of this. But also, I'm a huge um, believer in the power of communication. Talk to them. Are they even interested in this? I think a lot of times people, you know, do things, but we don't have conversations anymore. But talk to them. Would they be interested in eating more vegetables too? Would they be interested in going on those nightly walks? Do they want to make changes? What are their goals? It, get them into the conversation. But all, and you know, talk to them about where you're coming from. What's gotten you um, interested in why you're doing this? And then ask them their thoughts, what they would like. And maybe you can create some kind of network from there that maybe even if they don't want to do Maybe if they don't want to go along with it, they can still at least understand why you're doing it. Does uh-huh. that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And and um, communication is very crucial. I just um, talked to um, another a friend of mine in an episode that's going to be airing this week um, about uh, food intolerances and allergies and, and like how to deal with that. Um, when you go to, you know, a guest house or even family's house and communicating ahead of time with like, you know, this is why, this is how I'm eating. This is why I'm eating this way, you know, but I think open communication is key. But I also think that, um, sometimes we don't want to communicate because as you said, like when we're, when we talk about our health, it's, it, we are in a very vulnerable state. And so sometimes we don't want to talk about that even to sometimes, sometimes in some situations, even to our spouse, we don't want them to know that we're, you know, that we're feeling this way about our, you know, like we have these negative thoughts or we're, you know, we have these thoughts. And so, um, I def, but I definitely think if you do communicate it, you know, it breaks down any kind of, you know, misconceptions and, and actually opens the floor up to, you know, understanding, like you said, like they might be interested or they might be like, that's totally cool. You know, I'll totally support you even if they want to do their own thing, you know? So I think creating that environment where there's the opportunity to understand what you're doing is better than, you know, isolating yourself off and just kind of doing things in secret. Um, because either, you know, because of fear of, you know, you know, that, because you're in a vulnerable state or maybe you just don't, you're assuming that they're not going to understand why you're doing what you're doing. So. Yeah. I know like weight loss can be, um, the, it, it, it can be like a motivator for a lot of, you know, dietary and lifestyle changes. Um, and that's why I use that as an example, but sometimes we just want to, you know, 
we want to, you know, decrease our stress or improve our sleep or, you know, just feel more energized, you know, whatever the reasons might be of why we want to make these changes, you know, never be afraid to, you know, talk to your spouse and tell them that this is why I want to do it. Like mm-hmm. I want to try vegetarianism for 30 days because of X, Y, and Z, you know, give them those reasons um, and see if they're interested as well. Like, or at least if not interested, they at least, you know, have that understanding. Uh-huh. If that makes sense. And I like how you said, you know, if they're really having that craving, um, you know, to, to have a little bit of whatever it is they're craving and see, you know, like how they feel, because I would guarantee maybe not always, but from my personal experience, once you remove a lot of that processed junk from your body and you, your mind, you know, like, let's say it's been, you know, weeks since you've had anything like that or even longer months, but then for something triggers it in your brain where you think you want it. And then you, when you do taste it or you eat it, it is terrible. And usually you're like, from my personal experience, like my body like rebels and it's like, what did you just give me? And you'll realize how good you feel when you do remove those things, which is so hard to see in the beginning because you don't realize how, like, you don't realize that there is such a better way to feel when you remove those, those things from your diet. So, um, even if you want to, you know, trick, you know, feed that, that mental, you know, craving, uh, I think you might also realize how good you were feeling and how bad that stuff can make you feel. You're bringing up a really great point. So one thing when we're when we're eating all of those processed foods your body doesn't understand and recognize it as it's it doesn't recognize that it's food so it doesn't know how to process it so it's not you know doing it um it's not digesting it properly so when you start integrating more foods it knows that it's foods it know how to it knows how to integrate those nutrients and it can use that fuel properly mm-hmm. um, and again like you said when you you know when you want to eat whatever it is after a period of time without it, your body doesn't recognize it. It's that shock. Um, a great example is, um, I remember swearing off fast food. This was, you know, years ago for about a month or so or six weeks. And I was doing a road trip and I needed something to eat. And I went to one of my favorite fast food joints. I got my favorite burger fries. <laughs> I, I ate that in the car. I regretted that, you know, instantly. It, it was unpleasant. And this was you know, about maybe eight years ago, and I haven't had fast food since. And, uh-huh. you know, every now and then I'll get a, like a waft of like, you know, one of my favorite fast food joints. I'll just smell, like, ooh, that smells good. But I know, like, and I know it's on the table if I ever want it, but I yeah. also know that it will probably kill me because I haven't had it in eight years. Uh-huh. And yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, the benefit, like, not the benefit, but – um, me feeling my best outweighs that craving. Yeah, I don't yes. eat the burger and fries that badly because I would much rather feel my best than spend the remainder of my day a uh, remainder of my day sick because I can't move because of a bad choice. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. I find that I I haven't had a, a soda in I don't even know how long. It's been years. Um. Every once in a while, like my you know my we might be out to eat and you know my my teenagers might be drinking one. And I was like, oh, like oh, there's a Dr. Pepper. Like I want to like I kind of miss that. And then I'll take one little drink and I'm like, man, like it's so sweet when you have not had a lot of sugar and you have not like drink like soda like it's it, it's like drinking straight syrup is crazy i'm like i can't i don't know how i could ever have drank that and i was never a big soda drinker honestly that's never been my vice i've always been a water drinker i can remember in high school like you know um 
my boyfriend's family always kind of give me a hard time because, um, I always drink water with everything. And I thought that was so weird, <laughs> but, um, my problem is I just don't drink a lot period during the day. Like I get busy working and like, don't even drink, which is a bad thing. Got to hydrate. Um, but, but, but for some people, soda is a, is a, is a strong vice. And so, but I think like if you, if you finally remove it, like you'll realize like how sugary it is when you haven't had it in a long time and you have that back in. Our taste buds recalibrate. Uh-huh. When we change our diets and such, especially when you start transitioning to more, you know, real foods and whole foods and foods that are less processed, our taste buds recalibrate. So then we become hyper aware of like you said, like soda and things or that Dr. Pepper and just how sweet it mm -hmm. actually is. And quite frankly, it really is drinking straight up, you know, sugar syrup. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> it's so bad for you. It's so bad. Yeah. But it's so good. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. My kids, well, my kids, uh, they're my, that's a, that's a big struggle with my kids. Like I've tried to like, their whole thing is they want flavor with their drinks. And I have tried every flavored water alternative and I just am not selling them on or just straight water. And so we're, it's a struggle, but you know, um, my two cents um, or my two suggestions rather, have you tried seltzer water or um, I have, I tried, okay. I tried one and they were like, no out, but then there's another one. Um, uh, Spindrift. I don't know if you, you're familiar with. I've heard of it. I haven't um, tried it. I've heard really good things about it. Um, it actually, the flavor, the, the, I, I personally like it better than some of the other ones. Um, and so I was going to try that with them, but, but yeah. Yeah. And then also have, have they tried kombucha? No, they have not. Okay. That might be a bit much because that is fermented tea, but if they yeah, like that yeah. flavor and the bubbles, it, it's, it's also another good alternative as well. But coming from somebody who used to be addicted to vanilla Coke, I understand <laughs> like the struggle of how hard it is, you know, to uh -huh. get off of pop. Like it, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know. Tell me about it. Trying to break teenage boys off of it. Uh, yeah. So it's fun. Um, okay. So let's, um, okay, let me do, I will just say that like transitioning my own health was one journey and I, it's still like, like you said, it's still ups and downs, but transitioning teenagers who like, I wish I knew now what I knew then when they were younger and I could have started them, you know, from scratch and then they would not know any different, but maybe that's a whole episode. Like how to like, approach healthy eating with teenagers. That's a good one. Um, but anyway, like, but, but, but changing their eating habits, like midstream, like 15, 16, 17, like that's a, that's a struggle. That's a hard yeah. one. So I, I'm not a mom, but I can only imagine how hard it is. Cause one, they're at that time where they need a lot of food cause they are growing. So they're probably yes. eating house and home. Um, they're, they're used to a certain way of life. So they're, you know, used to eating certain foods. They yes. see school cafeterias, they see it in their vending machines and sure they might, you know, understand the basis of the food pyramid kind of thing, but they want a certain quality of life. And I remember from my own teenage years that teenagers, teenagers are incredibly stubborn and, yes. we don't like, and they don't like change. Just like they most know everything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they, they know what's yes. good for them. So I can only imagine how hard it is, but I think like you said, you know, it's that finding that sweet spot that like that gentle give and take and kind uh -huh. of your battles. Like, you know, yes, we eat more vegetables and then kind of thing, but you're right. It's, it's hard. 
mm-hmm. it's gotta yeah. be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So we're slowly, you know, I'll change up things here and there and I'll add in, you know, um, you know, more vegetables. I'll sneak in more vegetables, even like, you know, moms do with their toddlers. I'll do it with my teenagers. Um, but yeah, so, but it's possible. It's not like, uh, you know, impossible, but at least I feel like I'm at, at a minimum, I feel like I'm at least, at least teaching them things so that when they are a little bit older on their own, like they're, you know, maybe when they come to like, maybe understand things and want changes for themselves um and they're more motivated intrinsically that you know they might be like hey mom knew what she was talking about back then (laughs) yeah i think also i mean with teenagers and you probably see this in all aspects of life that regardless of what they're doing they're listening and they will glean certain information off of you and you know maybe it's not a lesson that they're doing right away but Mm -hmm. maybe a couple years they'll remind they'll remember what you were talking about in whatever situation and they'll, you know, use that information. Maybe not now, but yeah. event, just a matter of when that is. But I think right. also going back to our earlier communication, uh, our earlier conversation of communication, it's all about, you know, communicating with them and other people and mm-hmm. just a matter of like, we're going to make some changes. Here's why we want to make changes. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I like that. Okay. So if you, what is your best piece of advice? If, if you were to give advice to yourself back on your, like, you know, very beginning of your journey um, and knowing what you know now and, and the struggle, you know, what, what's your best piece of advice to someone that was you say, you know, six years ago or at your start? Don't wear underpants when you're wearing running shorts that have built-in underpants. That's incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable. But... <laughs> but again remember how i said i made all of the mistakes i really did but for that aside make sure you're changing for the right reasons mm-hmm. i think that's a really big piece of it for me I, I was not making good decisions for the for good reasons i was marrying into an athletic family and i figured this is how i'm supposed to be that they're going to love me more and respect me more if i become a runner too if i lose weight and that became a huge motivator for everything. And it left me in a really negative space, which is a whole other conversation, but make sure you're changing for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a, um, you can lose weight and still love your body at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I think it's coming up a lot now with the body positivity movement. You know, mm-hmm. you can love your body and you still want to make changes. And I think just, making sure that you're changing for those right reasons, changing for you and nobody else and do it in a way that makes you feel happy. If you want, if you're, you know, trying to make changes and let's say you're exercising, for example, and you're running, but you absolutely hate it, then don't do it. Uh-huh. If you don't like running, then don't run, find something else that you want to do, but make sure you're doing things that make you happy. And again, it just boils down to changing for the right reasons, changing for health reasons, changing because you want to make positive changes and not because you hate yourself. Right, right, right. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a, a good point is find what, find what works for you. Like, like you said, like find something that works for you. Um, and then I would also like, I, anyone that I've ever, you know, talked to or even myself, um, I always try to focus on my health and like for like then for the sake of like, you know, longevity of life versus like that number on the scale. You know what I mean? Like I just I just think focusing on that is also crucial. And then baby steps, like we talked about. Like if I were to give myself advice, 
years ago, it'd just be like baby step your way into it. Cause I'm like, I'm like you, I'm like all in or none. And so like, if I can't go all in, then I end up like not doing anything. And so I, I have so many times in life just like, you know, had myself stuck and spinning my wheels because if I didn't have it exactly right and have the, you know, like the workout clothes and the perfect program and the, this and the, that and everything aligned, then, Oh, okay. I wasn't going to do anything at all. Where like now I've learned like, you know what, if I could just go walk 10 minutes on my lunch break, then like that's better than me sitting on my chair at, at my office desk for, you know, for 10 minutes. And so it's just switching that mentality. Yeah. And you're bringing up a really great point of progress over perfection. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they're so concerned with results and doing it perfect at the right time. And yes. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I think it's pretty much everybody in some capacity, but you know, anything is better than nothing. It does not need to be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. and I mean, this trickles down to exercise. A 10 minute walk is better than nothing. You know, yes. just focus on, you know, moving your body. That's okay. Um, when it comes to diet, I see that a lot with my clients. A lot of people, you know, they worry about maybe having, you know, three cupcakes at the office party completely out, you know, undoes the entire day. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, well, because you had three cupcakes, it all doesn't matter now. And then they binge eat the rest of the afternoon. It's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. Those three cupcakes do not dictate the rest of your day. You didn't fall off the wagon or anything like that, you know, just because uh -huh. you had those three cupcakes, for example, does not mean that the whole day when, you know, to, for lack of a better word, to shit. Yeah. Right. Right. But so it, often we do, cause we like, well, I'm done. I just ruined it all. Might as well just go completely back to where I was before because exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that from experience or anything. No, <laughs> I've, I've never done I've that. I've never done that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that mentality of it has to be all or nothing. Yes. And it really doesn't need to be, you know, those three cupcakes or even if it's been a week of, you know, just eating foods that don't nourish you, it doesn't, it's not a representation of who you are as a person and mm -hmm. not a representation of all the changes that you've made. There's always time to, you know, to get back into your healthy habits. There's always time for a veggie packed dinner kind of thing. Yeah. You know, just because you made that one decision that may not have served your body does not mean the rest of the day has completely been undone. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell um, we'll wrap up here, um, uh, here in a minute, but if someone was interested in connecting with you or interested in your undiet, um, boot camp, um, where can they find you and where can they find more information about that? Yeah, so um, you can find me via Facebook or Instagram. Um, I'm known as the Rungry Health Coach. I understand that Rungry is a really weird word. <laughs> R-U-N-G-R-Y. Um, see, and you can find it. Uh, so you can search me via social media. You can also email me at therungryhealthcoach at gmail.com. And I believe you say you're also linking up to it as well. Yes. Correct? Yes. I will leave um, show notes to your social media handle or in the show notes. I'll leave links to your social media sites, your website, your email. And then also we can leave a direct link um, to your undiet bootcamp. If someone is interested in, you know, learning more about what's all, you know, included in that program. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have enjoyed talking to you. I feel like I could like talk to you for hours on this subject. But it's like, I just think it's such a good, it's just a, an important topic because I think it just encompasses um, one of the biggest struggles that a lot of people have out there. It's just, 
you know, right now in the, in, in the age of social media, it's like information overload. And then there's like, you know, we're, you know, all these fads and diets and this way of eating and that way of eating and this food and this superfood and this, this workout routine. And it's just like, Oh, what do I do? And so I think breaking it down, like you mentioned to like the undiet approach, um, you know, and really kind of, you know, working very slowly, you know, for what works for them and kind of changing that mentality it is, I, I just think this is an important thing to talk about. So I thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And also, I mean, really quick, I mean, with that diets only typically look at two factors. It only looks at exercise and food. And part mm -hmm. of the undiet food camp in my approach is looking at the entire person overall, because there's are so many different factors to like health and wellness kind of thing. And I'm a huge believer that you could eat all of the kale salads, you could run all of the miles, but if you're in a job that you dislike, you're yep. in really unhelpful relationships and you're just feeling generally bogged down and other parts of your life are not good, you're never going to be your best picture of health. Absolutely. So total body. It's not just food and exercise. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Stress mindset. So much, so much is all, they're all pieces to the puzzle. You're, you're absolutely right. So awesome. So we'll leave all those um, links so our, our listeners can find you um, and find out more about your undiet program. And then I'm sure I'll talk to you again in the group, but thank you again for joining me. No, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast. If you like this episode, please head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast to enjoy all of our upcoming episodes. And while you're there, go ahead and drop us a review. And always, as always, be sure to follow Wanderlust and Wellness at www.wanderlustandwellness.org or join our mailing list to get instant access to all of our recipes, Wanderlust tips, and resources for that laptop lifestyle at www.wanderlustandwellness.org forward slash email. And as always, you can always find us on social media. If you're ready to live that laptop lifestyle and learn how to turn your passion into a profit through online courses, join our My eLearning Academy at www.myelearningacademy.com. Please note that I am not a registered dietitian or a medical professional. The views I express are mine alone based on my own experiences and should not be taken as medical advice. Please speak with a medical professional before making any changes to your current routine.